0: Welcome to Leading Forward, where experts come together to make schools better for for all of us. us. Brought to you by the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence in partnership with educators everywhere. Welcome everybody to another episode of Leading Forward. Joining us on the show today, we have Dr. Gary Waddell, the Associate Superintendent of Equity and Educational Progress and Public Affairs at the Santa Clara County Office of Education. Now, Santa Clara has been doing some very intentional work around equity. And here on the show today, we have Dr. Gary Waddell to just tell us a little bit more about those initiatives. Dr. Waddell, thank you for being on the show today. Tell us more about the work that Santa Clara and your team have been doing.
1: Absolutely. We're very excited about it. It was uh, about 18 months in development. It really is a tool to deepen uh, a site team or district team's reflection, their own reflection on equity. I think that uh, true systemic equity work begins with that sort of deep reflection in the, the lived context of a site team and so this tool provides some information but more importantly various on-ramps into the conversations around equity and really thinking about where are we and where are our pain points and where are the opportunities for us to make a difference for our children and youth and then from there uh, what resources can we link to to deepen that work
0: So getting really practical for the folks listening to this segment, what advice do you have for a system leader who comes to you and wants to launch into equity work?
1: I think I would say just you have to enter this work from a very genuine space, um, from, you know, bringing who you are to the space, acknowledging that you come with both the benefits and the, the limitations of your own lived experience your your culture race ethnicity your background and so it's critical that we expand that view and ensure that multiple voices and perspectives are heard so i, I think entering that work with some humility is particularly critical and um, and staying committed to it. I learned long ago as a site principal that just talking about it every day, every, every decision that we make, every curriculum decision, every um, programming decision that we make, let's think about what the implications are for historically underserved children and youth. And that kind of prioritization of the work is what it takes to really keep the focus on it. And you don't always get it right, but as long as you're moving forward and accepting that it's messy sometimes, but it is a priority, then that's where, I think that's where truth resides in this work.
0: And so often people confuse equity and equality. And I know your team in your tool, Ways to Equity, thought about that and offered an explanation as well as a really great definition. Can you talk a little bit about the difference of equity and equality and where your team landed?
1: Yeah, it's understandable why people come to this work and think about it as equality. I, I sometimes say when we were little and sharing pie, it, you know, we, we certainly didn't want our, someone else's piece to be bigger than our piece. So that seems that we, we come to that thinking that equality is, is what it's about. But it turns out equity and opportunity is not pie, and there's not a finite amount. And what we've learned is that it is about providing what each child needs, socially, intellectually, academically, in the moment. And and equity means giving each child what each child needs, not giving everyone the same thing. And I, I have found in my work, as long as you can say to every child, that while someone else might be getting something additional now, because they need it, when you have that need, you'll get you'll get that as well, or you'll get what you need as well. And that's a critical difference when we think about Equity work and that it really isn't about everybody getting the same thing because we all come from very different places. We've had different experiences. You know, some of us come to the equation or the conversation from places of privilege that where our systems give us different opportunities. And so we have to acknowledge that we all come from very different places, and equality means that we give each child, what they need to to succeed and to excel.
0: One of the things that's clearly important in that is how we design our systems to serve students. And I know you're really passionate about equity design and sort of design thinking in that work. Can you give a little bit more detail what that might look like?
1: Yeah, I'm really motivated by the the concepts of design thinking, which really are about empathy, which I come back to this theme of humility. It's about beginning with understanding the lived experience of the end user and, and in educational parlance that's for our students. So beginning with what 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 is this like for them? What struggles are they experiencing? And then how do we solve for that? It's easy for us to come from some of our more uh, traditional strategic planning mindsets of getting a lot of smart people together in a room and we come up with plans and timelines and frameworks but it changes how you do that work when you start with sitting and listening to someone who is the the recipient or the end user and understanding what this is like for them and then planning and then i think it uh, invites what is both relevant and kind of fun as well a mindset of playful tinkering so that we don't think we have to have a fully developed um, program, but we develop some solutions and we test those on small scale and we make adjustments and then we test them again. And as we test them and modify them, they get better. And then they are able to reach more and more children and youth, but it's that beginning with the, the end user, designing small scale solutions and tinkering with them and getting better. That's where we find the good stuff, I think.
0: Indeed. You just touched on this importance of listening and communication is key to so much of the success or struggles that leaders have. Can you talk about some ways that you've listened to community members? How did you create listening opportunities and what might the folks listening to this podcast do in their communities?
1: I think it's so important. I've always been moved by the old Covey um, chestnut of seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I think we have to come from that space and deeply listening. And I think it's, you know, it's not listening just to get to your next point, but it really is listening to understand uh, someone else's perspective and lived experience. I think that is a way of, of being and a way of working. I also think that there are some systemic ways to do that. As a principal, some years ago, one of the, the things that was very powerful for me was to have kind of affinity groups of students and parents, uh, African-American students, for example, coming together just to talk with me about what it's like to be them in our school setting and to understand. And, you know, you frame that work with, there are not any consequences for what happens, what's said in those meetings, and it's not shared other than the themes that, that might uh, help us to be better doing work, but really from a genuine place of wanting to understand. And that does a couple of things. One, it, it gives you information that you can't really have otherwise unless you go to the, the source of those who have a lived experience. But also it kind of changes the culture when there's a genuine interest in understanding um, another's lived experience. So I just think, uh, and I, I've said before this, the, the role of humility, I think that is such a, a critical piece of, of any of the work that we do and understanding that whatever our own experience, background, culture, race, ethnicity, lead us to a certain perspective, and that's one perspective, but to do work that really matters and really changes things, we have to consider multiple perspectives.
0: And how do we as system leaders make that change stick? Because we have turnovers, you know, leadership teams change, the students change and graduate, the staff changes. Any tips for how to make it sticky and sustainable?
1: Yeah. No, I think there are two fronts to this work, really. One of those is practice. It's kind of what what happens, what we do in the classroom when we're interacting with an individual child or a group of children. So there's that practice piece, but there's also the policy piece, and that's the piece that I believe has to be informed by this kind of deep listening, by these empathy interviews, by this planning, because we have to ensure That as people come and go, and we want to continue that work to bring the hearts and minds along and to build skill, we also have to ensure that our policies and our practices are ensuring uh, a a systematized approach and systematic approach to creating equitable spaces for all of our children and youth to to learn, to grow, to thrive, uh, and to to really excel.
0: What might be an example of one of those policies that folks
1: need to think about? I mean, I mean, I think at a site level, it could be something as simple as how you identify children for gate programs, for uh, at secondary school, for AP or IB course sequences. Are we really working to ensure that historically underrepresented children and youth are represented in those and have those opportunities and are supported in those opportunities? Do we have ways to include, and when we think about stakeholder engagement, to include historically underrepresented parent communities how do we deal with barriers that people might have if they have transportation barriers if they have barriers with work schedules that are that are not flexible are we really being kind of putting our money where our mouth is that if we if we really want authentic stakeholder engagement we're going to work to overcome those barriers to ensure that you have a voice in, in what happens with your children
0: so then when it comes to equity What's your sort of one do-now activity for leaders that might be listening?
1: I think I would just say to to listen. Listen authentically, to be willing to engage in those courageous conversations. You know, there are some easy on-ramps to those conversations, and sometimes we have to be courageous enough to really talk about systemic racism and talk about how the system has failed us in many ways and failed our children in many ways because having those conversations and being authentic in each of our own daily lived contexts is how these things change.
0: Thank you so much, Gary, uh, for your leadership and all the work that you're doing. If folks want to learn more about the ways to equity tools, they'll be in the field guide resource page for the CCE. Are there other ways that people can engage with your work uh, either through social media or websites?
1: Yeah, absolutely, through the Santa Clara County Office of Education website. Our team that uh, leads a lot of our equity work is the Inclusion Collaborative, and their site is inclusioncollaborative.org. And many of the resources are there. For example, the Ways to Equity Playbook. We have some digital courses in equity leadership, and are building some around using the playbook as well. And you know, and this is work that we are deeply passionate about, and are uh, are always happy to engage around it.
0: Thank you. So lucky to have your voice and leadership in this space. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for making
1: education better for For all of us. us. Leading Forward is a companion to the CCEE Field Guide for Accelerating Learning, Equity, and Wellbeing. And produced by Copernicus Solutions. For more information, visit
0: www.ccee-ca.org.